My name is Kondwani Mwase. The next episode is Building Blocks. People, like if you have a passion, you know, marry it with belief and just know that it's bigger than you, you know? And I think that that's what happened. I remember Easton encouraged me a lot and I just prayed for one person to show up on that first event. 38 women came out and it was life-changing for them. And that, and that time was just enough, you know? The next event grew to 60. Um, I invited my best friend, Julie Black, and she came. And, and so mm-hmm. September, 2015, um, we started to um, collaborate on the events. And so now I... Um, in collaboration with Julie Black, we run them together twice a year. And yeah, after that, like, <laughs> like her brand is pretty remarkable. So yeah. I remember the first event sold out and we've just had to get into bigger venues ever since. So there's her brand, there's this fitness movement, and then there's Empowered in My Skin, which really focuses on non-cognitive um, work. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. This show is meant to shed light on undertold stories out of Africa. Our vision is to introduce you to some extraordinary people doing incredible things, and to ultimately change the lens through which African and Africans are seen. So, let's start the conversation. My name is Nkichinira. My last name is Wafor. And Nkichinira is Igbo, and it means God's gift. You were named by your parents or somebody in... No, I was named by my parents. And I always said my mom, she was such a brilliant woman to name me God's gift. So I, I love it. Okay. I, I'm living it. The real nickname for NKT is actually KK. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Um, my brother calls me KK. Very few people do. Okay. Um, and it's so funny because I see that Kiki. Yeah, and it's actually... No, it's yeah. actually KK. Yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because uh, it's spelled the same way, K-E-K-E. Right. Um, but, you know, I think just... From a Canadian perspective, people started calling me Ink. Right. I'm yeah, and that's yeah. Say, I've called you Ink. Yeah, Ink. Yeah. So there's been no attempt to correct that. No, I think I no because I I would say that um, it's similar to him. Like you know, somebody starts calling you Ink, and you just start to respond to it, and and it grows. One thing I do do is now people will hear people call me Ink, and think that they can call me Ink over in Kichi. Mm-hmm. And I will be, I, I don't know what it is about my name, but I've always been like, you know, there's a lot of Africans that don't either adopt their name earlier on, especially here in Canada, because it's hard for people to pronounce. I have never given people a day off on that. Really? No. I, from the time I can collect it, like six years old, walked into St. Paul's Elementary School in Beaconsfield, and they were like, what's your name? And I said, it's in Kichi. And they're like, oh, is there an easier name we can call you? I'm like, no, no. it's in Kichi. That's what my mom calls me. Yeah. So to this day, I will say, yeah, Ink's my nickname, but you got to learn, like, first know that you can call me in Kichi, mm-hmm. and then you can go to Ink. Right. Yeah, you, you got gotta, it. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. I mean, I've already shortened it from in Kichi Nera to in Kichi. Come on now. If I was to ask... People that are closest to you, your family, your husband, would they say that that's, that's an appropriate name for Inkichi? 
Hmm. So there's, I think there's different dimensions, right? So if I think about where I am on now today, yes, 100%. Um, but I know where I've come from. And I know, um, I know there was a time when I didn't feel like I was God's gift. Okay. So I don't know what others would have felt in that time frame. Yeah. Um, but one of the prevailing things I've heard throughout my life is that I'm such a happy kid. I'm always so, you know, joyful and, and always so joyous, but it never really connected to the internal me. So you'd have to ask someone who's like my husband who's lived with me okay. for 17 years, um, whether he's always felt that. Well, Easton, you know, you're here. <laughs> so we might as well put you on know, the spot. I'll put you on okay. the spot. Yeah, put you on the spot. Oh my God. Um, God's <laughs> gift. Is, is that appropriate for Ink? In ever since. Yeah? In ever since she is, from the time I met her, she's been just nothing but um, kind, warm, always honest, always just caring about others. So I, in that sense, I say, yeah. Inkichi Morpho Robinson is, by profession, a technology executive. She works at one of Canada's most impressive financial institutions. Her portfolio, however, extends beyond the world of banking. Among other things, she's a fitness guru with numerous accomplishments in bodybuilding. She's also the co-founder of Empowered In My Skin, a movement that's designed to help people live purpose-driven lives and reach their full potential. It's only been around a few years, but the movement's momentum and impact is undeniable. With the formidable Julie Black as her co-founder, the project is forging forward into 2019. I sat down with Inkichi to talk about her life, work, and of course, the project. Here, in part, is our conversation. Mom, dad, and a brother. He's okay. four years older than me. We're, okay. My brother and I are first-generation Canadian. So my parents actually had never intended to, like, we, if we go back to, like, the 60s, my dad had, you know, the intent was for him to come here and get an education. Um, the government actually sent him. It was part of these programs that the they Nigerian had. Government. Yeah, Nigerian government. So he came here and he studied electrical engineering, the idea of telecommunications. He helped go back to Nigeria and helped him build the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, that didn't materialize that way. You know, he got a stage at um, Bell Canada. Um, he ended up liking it. My mom came over, they got married, and then my brother and I were born. The next voice you'll hear is that of Ameka Noirfor. That's Inkichi's brother. Being her brother and having lived similar paths uniquely positions him to speak on what makes her tick. Here's our conversation. So I go by Ameka Noirfor, and uh, I was born uh, Chiku Ameka Peter Noirfor. And what does your name mean? The name Chuku means God, right? Uh, and Emeka means uh, has done well. 
what do you what do you associate yourself as, Emeka? Um, that's a great question. Uh, so, I can, I I associate myself as being a Canadian of African descent. Um, I'm I'm proud of both heritages, right? I think that what my my parents accomplished by you know coming over here and starting a family and, and everyone doing well, I think it's remarkable, right? And for that reason, you know, I I, I hail my my African or Nigerian uh, descent. Uh, but I didn't spend a lot of time in Nigeria, right? And, you know, with my parents here, I haven't had a lot of opportunities or reasons to go back. And, and so I also identify very proudly as being Canadian. I think Canada is, uh, is a nice country. It's a great country. What does, what does Nigerian culture then mean to you? What does that, um, what do those roots mean to you? Uh, you know, so what does it mean? That's a great question. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a couple of obvious things, right? You know, um, so I, I tend to gravitate towards the arts, right? So in some cases, uh, it's the music, right? You know, if you if you've ever listened to African High Life or specifically Nigerian High Life, you know, we grew up with that. It's rich. It has a lot of the foundation or elements that you know you now find in things like jazz. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think part of it's the food. Um, I think part of it is traditions, um, uh, but. What I'm starting to realize later in life is that a big part of it is just the values, you know, values around things like respect, right, or, you know, values around um, decency, right, you know, values around, you know, in some cases, community and things like that, or family, the importance of family. And I'm not saying these elements aren't in either Canadian or American culture. Um, It's just they have a different flavor in African culture. How do you feel the two of you are alike? Well, we have the same parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much she told you about my dad, right? But, you know, he was so hardworking, right? And, you know, he had a vision of, you know, sort of, sort of think of it, he, he came from Nigeria with nothing, right? Literally, like he, he stayed at the YMCA his first night. Right. And, you know, if you take a look at, you know, where he got to, you know, the upbringing he provided, how he provided for the family and things like that, we're all educated and doing well. And I mean, that's remarkable. Right. But that was just, you know, a function of just hard work and and just dedication. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, similarly, my mom, you know, you know, my mom was, you know, dedicated to raising a family. She was dedicated to making sure that we got exposed to everything like we did a bunch of things that a lot of the other you know kids of african descent didn't do right like my mom took me out and showed us how to skate you know i ski right <laughs> you know stuff like that and, and she, she 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 couldn't do any of that right but you know she was dedicated to making sure that we were fully equipped with everything we needed both academically socially you know to to work here right and then and then she impressed on us like she said listen you just you don't do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. You, you do things to, you know, you, you do your best, right, or to be the best, right? And and I think that's where the dedication comes from, right? And I, I think she is, uh, I mean, I, I just take a look at what she's done, either as, uh, you know, a, a bodybuilding pro or, you know, her new venture, which is this empowering my skin stuff, right? And she just, you know, she, she you just see it. She's applying herself, which is great.
Jamaicans and Nigerians. Yeah. This, you guys are probably the third Jamaican Nigerian couple that I have actually. Oh, really? Met. Mm. Yeah. Is there something in the water? <laughs> like, what? What is it with these two nations? Like, do you have similarities when you look at? Uh, Inkichi and her background, family, culture that drew you to her as well, or is it just her? Like, I'm trying to well, understand if there's a thing here. Well, when I first saw Ink, I didn't thought she was Nigerian. Okay. Right? I thought she was Jamaican. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I just saw her and I thought, okay, this is a Jamaican girl, mm-hmm. looks confident, strong, and no going about a business. But back to your question, I don't know what it is with Nigerian and Jamaican, but Jamaicans are, um, we take no for an answer, we don't take no for an answer, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to make sure that if that's what we want, we're going to go get it mm-hmm. by any means, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Nigerians are the same. If so they right. want something, they're going to go over the mountain. Mm-hmm. The, the difference between... Nigeria and Jamaica, I'd say, just because Nigeria is a bigger country. But the, the attitude... It's the same. It, it's the same. The attitude is very similar, right? Very cool. Um, Ink, back to you. What do you do for work? So I'm on the infrastructure side of technology. The technology space is traditionally very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a black woman, and you're a leader mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. How was that journey? So when I started, I was uh, 1996, so I was young, I was, you know, and, um, and I would say back then there was no, like, we didn't have inclusion diversity yeah. training, we just yeah. didn't. And then all of a sudden, um, I would say maybe 2011, mm-hmm. suddenly all of this came to the forefront, women in technology, mm-hmm. you know, black people um, in technology, or, yeah. or therefore the lack of black people yeah. in technology. Yeah. Um, and so it came to the forefront, and, and so I have to have actually have sat back and, and and thought about my career and saying, well, it was never a problem. Like I never, it was never something that I didn't, I felt like I marginalized. I never yeah. felt marginalized. I never felt like I didn't have a voice. I never felt like um, I was overlooked for roles. Um, maybe there was subliminally, yeah. but nothing ever in my face. Um, and so when people ask me, because a lot of times I say, well, that's not, that's not been my struggle. Um, if anything, I've had internal struggle. I, I, I say, okay, there's a struggle, and that wasn't my struggle, but I want to do something to eradicate that struggle, because it is a real struggle. It is, yeah. Women in technology, we could do better, and mm-hmm. we are. Black people in technology, we could do phenomenally better, than, and, and we will. It's getting there, yeah. We, we, well, it's slow, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't even... Yeah, we, we need to do... <laughs> I would like to say it's getting there, but I just I don't see it. So I want to now, um, because I, I feel I have a unique position of not feeling like I'm in the struggle, to really be able to contribute to making it better because obviously I'm indoors that other people are not in and so what am I doing in those rooms to help make things better that's making me think about now empowered in my skin mm. um, can you tell me a little bit about empowered in my skin but but I'm, I'm really absorbed by names mm-hmm. so why did you call it empowered in my skin because I wasn't Okay. Yeah. And truth, there was, um, I got to a place where I realized I was not feeling empowered in, in the skin I'm in. And so when did, when did that for you turn? Because it seems like there maybe was a bit of a turn mm-hmm. in taking those struggles 
and I don't want to say embracing them, but but sort of like facing them down, staring mm-hmm. them down. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Ethan and I have been married for 17 years, right? And the one thing I think we'd like to say to married couples is that there's going to be ups and downs yeah, and yeah, valleys, sure. right? Yeah. And the key is about going through them. And so we were going through a, a, a downturn in November 2014, and my career also kind of hit one as well Mm -hmm. and the collision course was hard it was really really hard and so um, I was really struggling at that time and I have um, a friend that introduced me to a book called A Return to Love by Mary Williamson Um, and that book changed my life and so I just started on that journey to eradicate you know the you know anything that quote-unquote is labeled as hate in my life. And uh, it was a girlfriend of mine. Uh, we were coming back from a bodybuilding competition. And I w- mentioned that, yeah, you know, I just, I want to launch this movement called Empowered in My Skin. And, yeah. she's, and she held me accountable to doing it. And so one year later, November 2015, my first event. And he actually wasn't a caterer then, but he yeah. catered for it. Yeah. So it's amazing how our lives kind of collided and, and grew f- and have grown from there. How's it been that journey to build that brand? Because yes. it is it is now a thing. To anything I say to people, like if you have a passion, you know, marry it with belief and just know that it's bigger than you. You know, and I think that that's what happened. I remember Easton encouraged me a lot, and I just prayed for one person to show up on that first event. Thirty eight people, thirty eight women came out, and it was life changing for them. And that and that time was just enough. You know, the next event grew to sixty. Um, I invited my best friend, Julie Black, and she came, and even Easton encouraged me. He says, you know, you should partner with Julie. Like, she's, yeah. you know, you have this powerhouse of a friend who who also has a great platform, and, and she'd seen that as well. So we, we partnered after that. And so mm-hmm. September 2015, um, we started to um, collaborate on the events. And right. so now I, um, in collaboration with Julie Black, we run them together twice a year. You are two really big personalities. I don't know Julie, but <laughs> I, I know of Julie. Uh, she's a she's a big personality. You're a big personality. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know. Things. We've been we've been friends for over twenty. We're going on twenty two years. We met in nineteen ninety six at the gym. Okay. Ethan and I are going on eighteen years together. Yeah. We met at the gym. So I think there's something to be said about the foundation of a friendship of a relationship and I think when you meet on a common ground doing something that you're so passionate about that's healthy and vibrant um, I believe relationships will grow and and thrive like I can't like some of the the two my closest relationships (laughs) we're all met them at the gym you know so there's gotta be something there and then I think there's the spiritual aspect of it you know that uh, then carries the relationship and and creates balance from there so we don't compete we complement so not compete not don't compete complement each other because no one person carries a hundred percent perfection there's a lot of discipline in what you do you mentioned the gym a few times mm-hmm. i know you you work out a lot mm-hmm. uh there's bodybuilding technology in terms of your work that's that requires discipline building a brand empowered in my skin where does that all come from I would say my parents. Yeah, my mom. Uh, my mom's very disciplined. Uh, my dad as well. I, I guess I, I have a question about your time, uh, both in Ottawa, I guess, and in Montreal with the kids. Both of them seem to have ended up landing uh, professions in, like, the technology space. I'm an engineer. 
a lot of engineering uh, subjects and uh, I try to impart that to the children. Mm -hmm. So, and um, I think uh, today uh, they can tell you that, uh, you know, they, uh, well, from the positions they hold in their, in their, in their various uh, jobs, I will testify that uh, they had uh, they had good education. As you may have guessed, that was Peter Noirfo, father to Inkachi and Emeka. Like many African fathers, his footprint, influence, and poise are impressive. But let's get back to Inkachi. And so ingrained in me, I don't know how to be any different. And then I think on top of that, I've also studied very successful people in this world. And you start to realize that all of them are success because of the routines that they've built in their life. And so I'm just, I'm very much a creature of habit and I flourish in this space. And when I'm, when my days are not organized, I find that I, like, I kind of just wander around the world. (laughs) Is there something that in your youth mm-hmm. that you can point to that say, that day, <laughs> like, that's the day I, like, ink became ink? Do you know what I mean? I don't think ink became ink until, like, ink didn't really become this ink that you see now until 42. I think that a discipline is from, from birth. Yeah, like from because her, her mom handed down to her, like, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. She, she had no other. She know nothing else. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so you know, so I would say to Ethan's point, I don't know in my youth. I don't have a, a time where it's like, okay, I'm just gonna pick up my socks and start to be this. I don't have that. Yeah. But I could say when I turned 42, I recognized the value of discipline. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I think I was just fortunate to have parents that instilled it in myself and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but at 42 is when it, it, you start to live intentionally, like a little bit differently. So you take different stock, you become more present yeah. in your life. And so in that, I saw the benefit, the value of discipline. So now I could speak about it, but yeah. I couldn't, up until then, I, if somebody said I was disciplined, I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I don't, sure. yeah, yeah. I just, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like work stuff, your, your star is rising and I, I don't know much about the technology, but I know that to get to that space at a place like TD, it's mm-hmm. not a small place. That's an accomplishment. Thank you. That's a life in and of mm-hmm. its own. Mm-hmm. You've got empowered in my skin. That's a life in and of its own. You've got, uh, um, you know, the gym. Mm-hmm. That's a life on its own. Mm-hmm. How do you corral all those things? But maybe more importantly is what's next? What is next? What isn't, man? I like eyes for No, eyes for right? So I, I believe that I need to step up my game more. <laughs> I know this sounds... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... No, but I need to use my hours better. So, I, so sorry. How I say that is that I do... I listen to a lot of, um, you know, like I said, successful people. I listen... Like, I'm, I'm a big podcaster, so I listen to, like, um, Oprah or Lewis Hose yeah. or, you know, Tim Billia, the Impact Theory. And they're always bringing in people that are doing phenomenal 
phenomenal things in this world, you know? And I, and as a result, I recognize there is so much more opportunity and available, not just for me, but for everyone. Like even like I think about jerk up central, like there's just so much, he's only in Scarborough. So when you think about like even empowering my skin, just the main fact that it's not necessarily a building, it is a movement, as she said, the world hasn't seen it yet. I want to be more radical about, you know, really getting STEM into the black communities and not, you know, in the youth, right? Because um, just in October, I attended this amazing event, Move the Dial. And one of the things I loved is they had a, a component where they brought the youth and the work that they're doing. And these 14, 15, between the ages of 14, 17, these girls were on stage. The if you if I looked at the demographic and if I if I if I looked at the representation, it's not different than what we see today, right? So we see Asians, we see Indians, and in the visible minorities, Asians, Indians, Mexicans, and Blacks, and Blacks are always the lowest repre represented. And if I don't do something today, then five years as we're patting ourselves on the back that youth more youth are into STEM, the representation is not going to look any different than today. And to me, that's not moving the dial, you know. So I believe moving the dial is moving it across all so that it's not a thin anymore that you just see a sea of black asian you know hispanic indian and it's just that's what you see it you know is. yeah this is you know so yeah so i want to be more radical about it and um i want to be more radical about helping other humans be more empowered in their skin so I think that if anything, you'll see me being more courageous and stepping stepping into my courage more to really uh, not be to be bold and speak about the things that are important to me and I'm passionate about. If you had a if you had one chance to meet with somebody, living or dead, who would it be? Like, who's your hero? I think I'd love to have met with Michael Jackson. Really? Yeah. What would you ask Michael Jackson? What was missing? He defied logic. Yet something was missing. What was that? I, this is anecdotal, but mm -hmm. um, there is a in part of my skin. There, there is a black story in there, but there's a a, a female story in mm -hmm. there. Is it is it both or mm -hmm. like what do you want that to be? I thank you for asking me that question. I have used our flyers for diversity training. So Julie and I, um, like Oprah, are on our flyer. And um, I have asked people, when you look at our flyer, what do you see? And they say they see an event for black women, okay? Then I will show them another women empowerment seminar, and it has white women on it. And mm -hmm. what do you see? I see, and this is a true story. And the person said, well, I see an event for women. So I said to them, well, I'm going to now show you a picture of our event, Okay, and so I showed them a picture, and I'd gone to both. Well, obviously I've been at yeah. ours, and I've been to the other events. So I showed them a picture of our event, and multicultural as you can imagine, right. Asian, Indian. So it's a human event for human beings, right? And so to me, and what I want it to be, I want people to look at empowering my skin and see beyond what their eyes can see. You know, and so our event is not for women only. Men have come, mm -hmm. you know, um, but a lot of times as human beings, we we can't see beyond what our eyes yeah, can see. Yeah, beyond the box. Yeah. And so I feel the more empowered you are in your own skin, the the bigger your vision. So there you have it. The conversation continues.
I'd like to thank all my guests for their participation. As always, find us wherever you like to do your listening. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and even YouTube. Music for this episode was composed, enjoyed, and used with permission by Anjo. Until we meet again, thanks for listening. If you're going away on vacation, two weeks, where are you going? Oh my gosh, I we have to hit the Canary Islands, man. <laughs> Canary Islands? I was going to say. Yeah, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. Oh, he's going to come with me. Ethan's coming with me. Are you the type that naturally will pick up the pen or the sword? Will you go and write your Congress, man or woman? Or will you go in the streets and protest? Both. (laughs) I think both are important. Both are important. Ethan, randomly for you, what would you do? Streets for sure. Streets for sure. Inkichi, choose one. Canada, Nigeria, Jamaica. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Montreal, Toronto, or Ottawa? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, I'd have to say Toronto. Well lived.